the shows you love with even more local, local news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show on this Wednesday afternoon here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you, your personal concierge for conversation as we take a look at the major issues that affect you and me directly right here in the Central Valley of California. So happy you're with us. And thank you for joining us on such a regular basis, Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I was I had several things I was going to start with today, but this this just came up on the radar screen. I think about two hours ago, uh, reporter Ashley Zavala uh, put this out. Uh, Senator Scott Weiner here in uh, California wants California and San Francisco to declare a monkeypox. State of emergency. That's right. <clears throat> Allow me to read his somewhat uh, brief uh, statement here. This is, again, uh, State Senator Scott Weiner, Democrat from San Francisco. Quote, monkeypox is a public health crisis, and we need to treat it as such. In San Francisco alone, we have 222 cases, one of the highest rates in the United States. Given that the spread that uh, or given that spread and that monkeypox is now being detected in our sewage, we know that cases are high and will continue to grow. Monkeypox is painful and isolating, and no one should have to experience it. I'm I'm not going to comment until I finish this. I'm holding back. Unfortunately, <clears throat> says Senator Weiner. Because our federal government failed to act quickly to acquire the vaccine supplies needed to prevent an outbreak, we are now in a public health emergency, and that's only going to escalate. Given that gay and bi men and trans people are the most impacted, it's sadly becoming clear that we are being left behind once again. All right, I cannot stand it. I must comment. Seems to me that males having sex with other males are at the forefront of this, not being left behind. All right, going back to uh, Senator Weiner's final paragraph. That's why I'm calling on San Francisco and California to declare a state of emergency. State of emergency declarations will create significant flexibility around testing, contracting for services, and administration of vaccines. It will allow us to use all resources in our power to contain the outbreak. Let me stop there for a minute. I have a free way, a free method of containing the outbreak. Let me continue with his quote. Right now, we don't have enough vaccines or testing, and we need flexibility to expand access to both. We have no time to waste. This is happening now. It's serious. And we need to do everything we can to contain it. Well, if that's true, Senator Weiner, if indeed you believe that we need to do everything we can to contain it, 
then how about for the time being, men quit having sex with men and contain the virus? Oh, Mike. Oh, no, you didn't say that, did you? I did. I did say that. It was very it was very interesting to me. I mean, it's not funny for the people that have it, but it, it's 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 humorous to me the lengths at which people like Senator Weiner are going to pretend what the problem is not and avoiding what the problem is. Now let me switch to uh, a story. This was from uh, the 25th, so two days ago, from CNBC. Mike, have you actually resorted to using CNBC? Yeah, I keep telling you. I look at all sources because uh, occasionally uh, each source has something good or worthy to look at. CNBC, Dateline CNBC, July 25, 2022 had three major points at the top of the story by CNBC. Number one, the World Health Organization on Monday cautioned against complacency in the rapidly escalating monkeypox outbreak, saying there is no guarantee it will continue to spread within specific communities. Now, do I need to translate that for you? All right, no guarantee it's going to continue to spread outside of men having sex with men. That's that's what specific community means there. Cases have so far been concentrated primarily. Now here then they admit it here. Cases have so far been concentrated primarily among gay and bisexual communities. Uh, men But the U.N. agency said that the group's early detection could be a harbinger of wider outbreak. Okay, so here, this is what's true. It's basically mostly confined to gay and bisexual people, men. However, early detection could mean there could be a wider outbreak. Well, all right, then third point. From CNBC, the WHO, not the singing group, but the World Health Organization, in whom we have lots of trust nowadays, don't we? Uh, The WHO activated its highest alert level for the escalating outbreak on Saturday, declaring the virus a public health emergency of international concern. So here we go. Here we go. Allowing the World Health Organization, again, uh, the One World Order, to dictate what's an emergency for the rest of us. Guarantee, guarantee you that's what it's all about. All right, now, stand by. I'm not done yet. Going down on the uh, CNBC story here, it says, men who have sex with men are currently deemed at highest risk, risk of infection. Let me read it again. Men who have sex with men are currently deemed at highest risk of infection with around 99% of cases reported outside of Africa this year among men. 99% of cases reported outside of Africa this year among men and 98% among men who have sex with men. 
<laughs> However, the WHO, not the singing group, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have emphasized that anyone can catch monkeypox regardless of sexual orientation. What a... Seriously, give me a break. We can stop this very quickly. At least we can arrest it very quickly. What do you think? 209 Am I being too harsh? 209-551-3483. Let's go to the phones right now. Richard uh, from Modesto. Richard, welcome. What are your thoughts about this today? I have a question that uh, is very uh, kind of, uh, has anyone died from monkeypox? I mean, what's the death, the death rate? You know, uh, it doesn't sound uh, like anyone has ever died from it. I don't know that, Richard. I'm inclined to say no. Uh, from what I've seen, actually, huh. it's very survivable. It's ugly. It, it looks gross. But, uh, and I'll... We'll find out about that, Richard. I don't know that off the top of my head, but I, I don't think there are many, if any, deaths from it. It's uh, really, it, although you can, they, they tell us you can die from it. I don't believe in the United States here that we have deaths uh, so far. Good point. Yeah, that's the big deal for me. Uh, I, I don't feel threatened at all. I'm, I'm not going to get it, but... Uh... I, I, you know, they're they're going crazy over nothing in my book. Uh, I, I don't really don't care about monkeypox. They can um, deal with it themselves. Uh, that's my opinion. I, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard. Anyway, I, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Richard. Uh, appreciate that. You raise a good question. We'll check into that. And again, I think it's very, uh, very easy at. At the very beginning of this process, we know, we know how it was transmitted and how it could have been arrested very soon. But no, no, we want to be able to preserve our lifestyle and release an epidemic, I guess. All right, Debbie from uh, Stanislaus, welcome. And what are your thoughts about this today? Oh, welcome back. I'm so sorry that you and your wife had to go through all that that you had to go through. But our country's in more trouble than you even know. Because I've been following this for decades. And every single thing that we have, name every one of them, okay? They were all brought in by the Democrat establishment. And you don't even know who's involved, who's really bringing this in. But I'm telling you, I'm not lying to you, and I'm not crazy. This is all to destroy our country. To, can, to destroy everything that's good about our country. And they're not going to stop because when they start losing a little bit of control, they're going to knock you with something else. They're not going to stop. And with workers' comp, which nobody wants to talk about, I've lost three doctors because of workers' comp because our good old Newsom and the director of insurance in the state of California says, that these doctors are bound across the state of California, that they're not to ever allow any patient of theirs to talk about their injuries from their workers' comp. And they will get rid of you as a patient if you bring it up. So let's talk about what's important. 
Let's start bringing out what really the criminal activity in California is. Why do you think people are leaving here? Just because of the taxes? Uh Uh-uh. It's something like this, and nobody wants to talk about it because the governor says you can't talk about it or you'll get fired overnight. You won't have your practice. My doctors have turned purple when it's mentioned. And I'm yeah, I, 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 I got you, Debbie. Uh, I got you on that. I got the, uh, and I know that you're very passionate about the dysfunctional workers' comp system. And I think there are a lot of people, Debbie, that, uh, that would agree with you on that. I got to run here uh, very quickly. Uh, but I, I do think that this could have been handled. This could have been stopped early on. Uh, those involved in it chose not to. And so as far as I'm concerned, it's on them. And don't try to blame the rest of us or the federal government because you can't keep your private parts in your pants. That's my read on it. What's yours? 209-551-3483. I'm getting tired of being blamed for other people's irrational, narcissistic, and obtuse behavior. I'm not I'm not gonna be responsible for problems that you create by irresponsible behavior. Vaccines, sure, let's get the vaccines out. Call it a a state of emergency? Nah, I don't think so yet. I'm just tired. I'm tired of being blamed for other people's narcissistic activity when it could have been stopped early on. 209-551-3483, tired of it. I'll be back in three minutes. On the Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. And back with you here on the Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. State Senator Scott Weiner wants a state of emergency declared for monkeypox. Just read uh, some stats here from uh, CNBC. Uh, 99% of the cases are men, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Seems like we could have uh, put a halt to this very early on. But now, no, no, we need to, we need to be, we, certain people need to be allowed to engage in whatever behaviors they choose to engage in, even though it may infect the rest of society By golly, we need to be able to do what we want to do the way we want to do it. And the heck with the rest of you. That's what I'm reading into this. Maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm just not in the mood for all of this hysteria when it could have been stopped early on. Here's a, and I'll get to a Ralph and Modesto here in just a moment. In uh, San Diego. They're working with the LGBTQ plus community to prevent the spread of monkeypox. That includes developing messaging and materials to educate the community and help administer the limited number of vaccines they have. The vaccines will be given to bisexual and gay men, especially those with multiple partners, as well as those who are in close contact with the people who have come down with the virus. There you go. All right, let's go to the phones. 209-551-3483. Ralph Modesto, uh, what are your thoughts about this today, Ralph? 
Well, Mike, <clears throat> I might have a little sarcasm behind me here, but um, I'll start off first. I think you're right with the hysteria thing. They're losing control on COVID, and they like the control they had, so they're trying to make the next big thing now. Um, <clears throat> but I do – well, let me get this out here. First of all, I have no problems with homosexuals. I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm a big proponent of the don't ask, don't tell. That's your business, not mine. But I think this monkeypox thing, if it gets serious, if I remember right in the AIDS epidemic, Dr. Fauci started visiting um, gay bars to see how this started, where it went, and where it went from there, monitoring the system. So if we see Dr. Fauci, maybe downtown Modesto on 9th Street somewhere or another other couple places, maybe we should start worrying then. But for right now, I don't think it's anything to worry about. Yeah, I uh, it, obviously it is contagious, but it's contagious for the most part in direct physical contact. In fact, uh, there I just read something very quickly, uh, and I I've lost the site here, but apparently they're not even sure that it can be transmitted through um, uh, semen and such. Uh, so it it takes uh, it takes close contact. And uh, I, I would imagine that we're, we're going to see this wheel out of control and we will see politicians use that to their advantage. I think the po- politicization of it, Ralph, is what disturbs me uh, the most. By the way, thank you for your call, Ralph. Really appreciate uh, that, uh, Ralph, uh, from Modesto. So, friends, I again, I, and I agree with Ralph 100%. This is not about individuals and how they choose to define themselves sexually. It's about behaviors that spread viruses. And if you know that your behavior spreads a virus, why do you continue with it? Well, Mike, how do you know they're continuing with it? Because you look at the stats. I believe California and New York have the highest rates of the spread of monkeypox. And and where is Scott Wiener? Where is Scott Wiener's focus? San Francisco. So again, it, it, to me, we're, what we're dealing with is a possible epidemic that, at its roots was being spread by people who, if they knew that's how it was being spread, should have abstained for a while to curb the spread. Costs nothing. Zero. I'm not against funding vaccines. No problem with that at all. What I have a problem with is selfish behavior that we know spreads the virus. Stop it. Stop it. I can guarantee you, I can almost guarantee you, I would say within 99% accuracy, that if it was found that Zarkon pox, a virus from the planet Zarkon, is being spread by radio hosts who are pastors and are on KFIV, I guarantee you 
the heavy hand of government would land on me so hard, so fast, it would make your mind twirl. But there are protected communities that are not held accountable for this. I'm just looking for honesty here in saying this is how it this is how it needs to be dealt with. This is a free way to do it. It's a very effective way to do it. And yes, let's develop the vaccines. But along with that, let's stop the activity that causes it. Good night. Is that so difficult? <laughs> we'll be back in five minutes. Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360, KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360, KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online. Power Talk 1360, KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Wednesday afternoon in California's Central Valley on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, this whole monkeypox uh, proposal by Senator Weiner to have a state of emergency declared has me annoyed a bit. And let, let me unpack why. You may be wondering, well, Mike, why would, why would you be, why would you criticize Senator Weiner's request to have a state of emergency in California declared over the monkeypox issue. Well, you see, my friends, in my opinion, on the face of it, that sounds fine. Right? We have uh, we have a virus that is spreading, but it's confined to a pretty small community. But thanks to that small community it may spread further. And when I say confined to, it is radically confined to a small community by the CDC's own admission. So why am I not supportive of the state of emergency? Let's go back over the past two years or so. What happened when Governor Gavin Newsom had the power of a state of emergency in his hand. What did he do? He did things like lock us down. He did things like subject school children to to protocols that basically arrested their development and in some cases psychologically, if not socially, damaged them. At least for now, maybe for life. He did things that affected California's economy. All right, so let me cut to the chase here. Governor Gavin Newsom abused the state of emergency, which he's still holding in his hands. At any time, and this is what I'm waiting for, at any time, I can see this state of emergency being used now. All right, everyone has to wear masks and gloves maybe, in indoor gatherings. Churches can't meet anymore for a while. 100 days, 15 days, can't, can't meet, you dirty church people, because of monkeypox. Well, I can guarantee you most of the monkeypox ain't happening inside churches, probably. So what my cons- that's the basis of my concern, is the abuse of the power of, 
of the state of emergency by Governor Gavin Newsom. And this is not theoretical. We just have to look back at the past 18 to 24 months. We see it in front of us. He still holds that. He hasn't let go of it yet. So I guess my question to you is, if you're saying, well, that's all right, let's have a state of emergency for monkeypox. Great. Are you ready to have your business essentially shut down? Are you ready to go through another couple thousand jobs being lost? Are you ready to have to have a monkeypox vaccination in order for you to get on an airplane or go watch a football game? Are you ready for outdoor sports events for your kids to be canceled because of the risk of monkeypox? Are you ready for that? Because that that is what will conceivably happen when absolute authority gets corrupted with too much absolute authority. You see, I'm looking ahead. I'm looking at history. We need to look at history. What have what have has California and Washington DC done with the states of emergency, with the presidential declarations? What have they done with that? They've destroyed things. They've destroyed businesses. They've destroyed schools. They've destroyed students. We haven't even climbed out of this yet. From the Chinese virus, (laughs) the Wuhan virus. And now we have the monkeypox virus. So that's... That's what is welling up inside of me a lot of ire right now is that I, I anticipate, and, Gov- and uh, Senator Weiner is he's throwing down the gauntlet. I guess who, the uh, World Health Organization, actually started it here, and I'm assuming that Senator Weiner probably picked up the cue from them I'm just wondering how long it will be for Governor Gavin Newsom to decide whether or not he wants to add monkeypox to a a long list of things that he's going to prevent us from doing so that we don't spread it. How long do you think that will take? Or do you think that Governor Gavin Newsom is eyeing 2024 from a presidential view and maybe he's thinking twice, three, four, five times maybe about how that uh, might affect his campaign. What do you think? Do you think Governor Gavin Newsom will respond to this? Do you do you think he will do you think he will start the same types of restrictions that we had for coronavirus or monkeypox? What do you think he'll do? Senator Weiner has thrown the gauntlet down. And I guarantee you that the pressure is now going to mount upon Governor Newsom. What do you think he will do? Our number here, 209-551-3483. And uh, was it Ralph that called not too long ago and was talking about Dr. Fauci? And I wonder how long it's going to be before Dr. Fauci 
starts to tell us about restrictions over monkeypox. Let's find out what you think. 209-551-3483. John from Brentwood. John, what are your thoughts today? Well, you know, Mike, the, the media and the government have instilled so much fear in a decent section of the public over COVID. It won't be very hard to continue it on with monkeypox. No matter where you go, at least where I go, I still see anywhere from 25 to 35 percent of the people still wearing masks. And I'm not meaning, you know, older, possibly people that are worried because they may be, you know, have a higher risk. I'm talking about younger kids. I'm talking about families. I'm talking about just people still wearing masks. Um, and they're just going to continue with this new COVID, the monkeypox. I don't have a case in the, in the country now, like. 2000 or something which is like three blocks of the area of galt but um it's just it's just really stupid and anthony weiner is behind this possibly because anthony weiner is gay so i'm sure that has a lot to do with his decision also yeah i would think so uh i think it's scott weiner am i am i right on that i oh Scott Wiener, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the one at Sam. Yeah, yeah the, there's the another one. one. <laughs> there is another one. You're you're absolutely right there. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, and, the, and then they're both tools. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah. Well, John, thanks for the call. Appreciate that. Uh, again, friends, my my dismay here. My reaction is basically anticipating what the governmental response is going to be to this. And I am just seeing more draconian restrictions. Let's find out what you think. Again, 209-551-3483, our number. Let's go up to Jamestown. Mike, Mike, what are your thoughts? Hey, how you doing, Mike? Good. Thanks for having me. Um, I think it comes down to two basic things with politicians in general, especially with the idiot we have running our state right now. Um, Money and power. So if, there, if I know the man like I think I know him, he's probably coming up with a plan right now for monkeypox, and he'll profit from it somehow, which in turn will make him more powerful. And as far as him running for 2024 being the president, this has been his plan all along since he's been mayor of San Francisco. They've groomed this idiot to become the president of our country. And we're going to be in a lot of trouble if he does. That's all I can say, because he doesn't care about the people of the country. He cares about one person only, and that's himself, and that's it how he's going to make himself richer so he can become more powerful. And that's all it comes down to, for me at least. And yeah. that's my comment. Yeah, Mike, uh, thank you very much. Appreciate your call there. And uh, I agree with you. Governor Gavin Newsom has proven that he abuses power. And uh, I, I agree. If, uh, if he becomes the president of the United States, uh, where do you move to? I mean, if you're in California, you could move to Texas or Florida, Idaho. But if he's president, where do you go? Our number five five one three four eight three and area code two zero nine two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Let's find out what Greg and Modesto thinks. Hello, Greg. Hello. Hey, uh, forgive me, but I thought that uh, this monkeypox was similar to like a chicken pox. I, I didn't really think very many people would be affected to die by it. Uh, and, and you can speak on that after I hang up. And then the only other comment that I had is, and I, I super appreciate, you know, all the things that uh, 
that everybody on 1360 talks about. But one thing I would like to hear more about, we know that Gavin Newsom's an idiot. Uh, one thing I'd like everybody on 1360 to talk more about is teaching us Californians uh, who's in charge of this Republican Party, uh, you know, who who are they by name? Who do we need to vote? And when do we need to vote to vote these people out? Um, just really more on the education side of, uh, you know, everybody as far as, you know, who's, uh, who's going to be a good uh, election pick, um, good backgrounds, different things. But really to focus on, you know, I just don't think – the Republican Party is doing a very good job in California, and I, I think they all need to re- be replaced. But I'm not super familiar in, you know, who's running it. I think it's ran out of Sacramento. But calling these people out is to get good people in there that, so the Republican Party in California could be a lot stronger and more effective. Amen, Greg. Uh, You you hit it right on the head. Uh, Thank you uh, for pointing that out. Uh, A couple of responses there. Yes, uh, monkeypox is, I don't know if it's a, uh, how it's related to uh, chickenpox and such, that type of a virus, but uh, you're right in that, um, in that comparison. And I, I don't know that we've had any deaths from it. Uh, it is, uh, it is uh, survivable. Looks really ugly, but it is, uh, is survivable. Regarding your second question, Greg, and I, I, you, you've raised a question that's been on my mind a lot, and that is what's going on with the Republican Party in California? Right now, I don't care if, uh, again, it's uh, the party from the planet Zarkon, somebody with a plan and a strategy and with good common sense, please run for office. We don't seem to have a lot of that these days. And I I think we only need to look back at uh, the the June uh, 7 elections, uh, the primaries, Greg, to see that there wasn't a lot of overarching strategy in California. Now, I believe that the head of the uh, Republican Party is uh, Jessica Milan Patterson. I don't know her at all. But I'm thinking, Jessica, what are we doing? Where's where's the direction? Uh, Why do we have, why are we shooting ourselves in the feet and to me, it's not about it's got to be a Republican. But right now, the Democrats have uh, created a, a blue machine up in Sacramento and that can't be broken. They have a supermajority that needs to be broken. I don't care what party it is. We need common sense. Can we get some candidates with common sense to run and then don't have Republican candidates shooting each other? so to speak, in the media, destroying each other. Because then we wind up with nobody winning in the primary in some cases. Great, great call. Excellent call, actually. And I I think that's a point that we need to... uh, that we need to uh, pursue as as we go along. And I, I would, I believe... And uh, Michael LaGrange, hang in there. I'm going to get to you uh, in just a few moments. I believe I could be totally wrong, but I think the future of common sense conservative conservatism in California and the nation is going to reside 
in especially women of color. Latinas and women who are black. I believe their voices are starting to emerge, and I hate to say this, guys, but sometimes women have a lot more spine than we do when it comes to things like this. I'm listening to some of these women rising up across the nation right now. They're right on the money. And and they have the stuff to do what they say they want to do, and they're not afraid of taking the slings and arrows. I kind of think that's the future, and I'm all, all in favor of that. All right, Mike from LaGrange, uh, let me get you up here. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts today? Um, several things. First of all, about the Republican Party shooting themselves in the foot and use plural. You said feet, plural. They shot themselves legs, arm, feet, groin, head. They committed suicide. They're a bunch of losers. We got nobody in charge up there. They let the Democratic Party roll them over. Um, we know the election process in the state of California is completely corrupt. If anybody doesn't believe that, you bet you, you believe in the tooth theory. Trust me, Gavin Newsom wasn't sweating this recall because he knew it was in the bag to begin with. Um, we need to start, and I keep on reiterating this, having these people arrested. I'm, I'm not talking about kicking them out of office. I want them to be locked up in jail for quite some time so the people so the people get their ton of fle- get their pound of flesh from these corrupt criminals that are running our state. Gavin Newsom doesn't fear anybody and they've already proven that California can steal an election time and time again and now they they practiced it nationally on our presidential election and I don't care all you people out there who think that this was, election wasn't corrupted when they kick out when they kick out the observers and then put them 100 yards away or 100 feet away or lock them out of the office, there's something crazy going on, okay? So you guys need to get with it and figure out people need to start going to jail. And we need to have attorney generals that are willing to arrest these people. We need to get attorney generals that will arrest these people and put them in jail where they belong and start putting every one of them from the dog catcher all the way up to our senator. Put them in jail. Every dang one of them need to go to jail. Once you start seeing these people go to jail, you'll start seeing our republic recover. But we're not going to recover until then. One other thing I want to talk to you guys really quick about, I know I keep on going on about this food because I do raise uh, cattle. Um, they, uh, the the um, Bureau of Al- Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and the, uh, uh, the ag people are saying we – that the expiration date is just a suggestion best used by no it's not a suggestion if you push your milk my milk is going bad a week before it's the the expiration date this isn't happen once this is happening continually to me and several people that i've spoken to you guys need to wake up they they're going to create so many problems and so much havoc and until we start sending these yo-yos to jail like gavin newsom who is criminally corrupt. Hey, Gavin, if you would have touched my wife, I don't know where that guy was that let you get away with cheating on his wife, but he should have socked you right in the mouth. That's where you deserved, and he should have divorced his wife. I mean, what kind of morals do you have, Gavin? You're cheating on your wife with somebody else's wife who was your best friend. You're a real good friend. 
you're lucky I wasn't your friend, Gavin, because you, you would be having to go to the dentist right now getting fit for a set of dentures. I mean, that's just unbelievable. So that's what you guys have in office, a corrupt, cheating, lying, conniving thief. Uh, that's what I. That's all I got to say. Proud to say it. And thank you for, hey, by the way, sure missed you, Mike. Um, man, no offense, but some of your, some of your guys out there, uh, woo, I had to turn off the radio. They were wearing me down. I'm, so glad you're back on the radio. Well, Mike, uh, thanks. Thank, and, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> thank you, and I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to be back. Mike from LaGrange, uh, thank you very much. All right, friends, uh, I've got to run here very quickly, but I'll be back in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Had some really good discussion the past hour here. And I want to round this out with some observations. I, I made the comment that I, I think that the future of our culture, of our state, and perhaps our nation is going to reside primarily with Latina women and black women. This conference I went to last week, and again, I'll unpack that a little bit later on uh, next week, and I'll pepper uh, our programs with some of the wisdom from that. Uh, But I'm also looking at uh, voices that are starting to emerge here in California. These women are bold. These women are unafraid. These women are uncompromised. These women have family values. Many of them appear to be women of faith, and they are unafraid, and they are willing to stand up for what they think is right. Please help us, ladies. We need it. All right, hour two of the Mike Douglas Show coming up in five minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The show you love, talking about the issues that are important to you. The voice of the valley, the Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from three till five on air and online. Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Here and again is your host Mike Douglas. Well, that's me, and I am thrilled to be your concierge for conversation here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Again, so happy to be back with you. Uh, this week, and uh, just to tag a few thoughts onto our previous discussion in hour number one as we head into hour number two here of the Mike Douglas Show, uh, talking about, I think, the need for especially Latina women who are conservative, who have family values, to rise up and run for office, and for let me just say it for the old fogey white guys like me get out of the way let them lead why because we have done a poor job of running candidates in california 
There appears, and I I don't know, I could be totally wrong. Maybe some of you who are involved in in the Republican committees have a different view, and I'd like to hear that from you. Maybe you think we're doing a good job with this. But from my viewpoint, not being an insider with that, just looking at the results in the primaries, it doesn't seem like we have any strategies. Republicans, or at least people referring to themselves as Republicans, are, are condemning each other in the primaries and going after each other instead of the issues. And what happens then? We don't get anybody elected. And so there's, uh, well, again, I, I and, and by the way, those of us who are not native Spanish speakers, now let me say, up through college, I was fairly fluent. My father was a high school and junior college Spanish teacher for almost 40 years, and he spoke Spanish he is told by native speakers better than many native speakers themselves. I was never that good. And it makes me cringe when folks like me who are not native speakers get up in front of crowds and of, of Spanish speaking crowds and pander to them, trying to speak Spanish to show that we're hip and we're with you. It makes me cringe. Jill Biden, it's just, I, it makes me sick to my stomach, some of the things that she's done. And there are other people, too, who have done that. It's, please, candidates, especially if you're Caucasian, please do not do that. Please don't do that. Let those who are speaking to their own constituencies, take the lead. We don't have to speak for them. Let them speak for themselves. Let them speak in their native languages. There's power in that. And and we have to be very, very careful not to hold them back. That's why I'm saying women conservatives who love family values, who are bold, uncompromised, who speak the truth boldly without fear, I'm behind you 100%. I'm with you. Let me know what I need to do to help get you elected. Because what we're doing thus far is not working here in California. All right. Moving, by the way, uh, just a a footnote. We talked a lot about monkeypox the first hour. And again, my... My worry over Senator Weiner's proposal here that we have a state of emergency dedicated to monkeypox is that uh, that will be used by our California leaders uh, for more draconian restrictions for you and me. I'm worried about the politics of it. That's what really has me worried about this whole about this whole thing. I don't have any problem with getting vaccines to people. Not a problem at all. But it's the abuse of power and the politicization of all of this that's worrisome to me. All right, speaking of such things, this is very interesting. As you may know, Los Angeles County is looking at imposing an indoor mask mandate again. 
this is what's encouraging to me. We're beginning to see glimmers of pushing back against the man. Now, I grew up, you know, I was in school in the 60s and high school in the 70s. The man. Remember the man. Everything was about the man. Now it's about the woman, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, people, uh, the governmental officials in authority who abuse authority. People are starting to push back. Not only people are starting to push back, unexpected places and organizations are starting to push back. Beverly Hills says, no thank you. Beverly Hills was interviewed. Well, the the mayor was anyway. A a city can't be interviewed. It was the mayor uh, led by Beverly Hills Mayor uh, Lily Boss, B-O-S-S-E, they basically unanimously uh, voted not to deploy city staff or resources to help enforce a possible new indoor mask mandate in L.A. County. So Beverly Hills is saying, no, thank you. You can go ahead and do a mask mandate, health department in L.A. County. We're not going to enforce it. Beverly Hills. Can you, would you believe Beverly Hills would do that? And then, but wait, there's more. I just uh, was notified that Long Beach and my hometown of Pasadena, California, have both said, nah, we don't intend to do that either. I love this. And I hope more cities take their cue from... Beverly Hills and Long Beach and Pasadena and basically tell the L.A. County Health Department, stop it. Stop it. We're tired of this. We're tired of being injured. We're tired of this ruining our economies. And we know that a lot of the things that you're doing don't make a whole whale of a difference either. I'm very, very happy to see that. I'm... In fact, I I suspect that there will be uh, there will there will be some more cities adding to that, and I'm I'm looking uh, looking ahead to that uh, very very much. All right, uh, just uh, saw this article recently. Let's uh, let's talk about housing. That's an issue uh, that California is dealing with. California is underhoused. I don't remember the number, but there, the, California has a big shortage of, of housing. Of course, the fact that we have a lot of immigrants illegally coming over the border into California probably contributes to that. But always looking for interesting strategies to solve this. Riverbank, the city of action. We have Riverbank listeners. Riverbank, the city of action. That's one of the first things when we drove into Stanislaus County. We were living up in uh, uh, Sacramento area. And uh, when I first uh, got the offer to go into vocational ministry, my wife and I drove down here to start looking at the area. We were on uh, 108 and uh, passed through Riverbank. It said the city of action. I knew nothing about Riverbank. I thought, wow, that, that, how did that earn that name? Anyway, a developer plans to build 31 tiny houses in Riverbank 
And uh, let's see what co- it's it's the McRoy Wilbur Communities uh, uh, architects and developers, and they hope to charge no more than thirty three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for each house. Huh, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. How big are these houses? Well, the houses would range from six hundred forty seven to seven hundred ninety two square feet each which is about the side of a lot of apartments, right? But they would be single units on their own small lots. Now, the challenge here is that Riverbank's zoning rules don't permit freestanding homes that small. And so they're they're going to have to take a look at that. So they're looking at potential uh, changes uh, to their own codes. And it's being called the Tiny House Village Ordinance. And, and the, 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 the dwellings conceivably could be as small as 150 square feet. <clears throat> so what, what do you get in these houses? Well, they, uh, it, not, not much, but let's see. You get uh, one story, obviously, Two bedrooms, one and a half bathrooms, a kitchen, a dining area, and a living room. Well, you're not going to get that in 150 square feet. They must not be talking about that. But maybe in the 647 to 792, 792, 792 other square feet, maybe. So one story, two bedrooms, one and a half baths, a kitchen, dining area, living room. Let me ask you something. And and the idea here is to get a lot of these homes built to solve some of the housing crises that we have. And they're thinking that this would be something that young families hoping to build up might buy as a, a prelude to conventional homes or retirees looking for yet less yard work. Now, that'd be for sure. So let me ask you something. Would you... Well, $350,000. Would you pay $350,000 for a 647-square-foot to 792-square-foot tiny home? Would you pay $350,000 for that? And, of course, they they raised the interest rates again today so loans are going to be more difficult to come by the idea is to clamp down on on uh, on the economy that certainly will do that so i, I don't know what do you think w- would you would you pay let, let's say it was frozen in in the price today today if you had the opportunity and and they would build one of these let's say it's a 647 square foot home Two bedrooms, one and a half baths, a kitchen, dining area, living room. Would you pay $350,000 for that? Our number here, 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. I'll be back in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. 
And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A uh, a quick uh, news item here related to our topic in the first hour of the monkeypox. Apparently, uh, CBS in New York City is reporting that New York City officials are demanding that the name of monkeypox be changed immediately. That's their message, apparently, to the World Health Organization and the world. So there you go. New York uh, City apparently feels that the name monkeypox carries a stigma that uh, shouldn't be there. All right. Uh, talking about these tiny houses, this is fascinating to me. Uh, proposed in, in Riverbank, uh, the city of action here. And uh, this is down on Claus Road, uh, a little bit, well, a little bit south of, of uh, Highway 108, down by Stanislaus Street. A uh, little, uh, well, not little, but uh, uh, some land there that's not been developed where they're proposing this. Let's see what you think about this. What do you think about $350,000 for basically an apartment-sized home? Think that'd be a good deal? 209-551-3483. Let's go to Modesto and Jeff. Uh, Jeff, what do you think about the tiny home? Well, I think it's uh, just indicative of all the pricing going up, mainly because of all the regulations in California. Uh, I used to work with Habitat. We were building houses with them, and you had to have a sprinkler system in it. You had to just the environmental regulations. It's so expensive to build a house that you just can't buy an affordable house. What are you doing over there? <laughs> Goofing. Huh? Going to our warehouse. Oh. Well, I, uh, I, I agree with you, <laughs> Jeff. Let me put you on hold there. Sounds like you, uh, <laughs> you got some stuff going on there. I'll be back to you in just a minute. I, I agree uh, with you that one of the problems that we have is it's just not the home itself. It's uh, the fact that you've got other things like uh, the CEQA uh, 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 regulations and such that, that have to be met, the environmental impacts. And so I, I would agree with you, Jeff. Let me bring you back on. I would agree with you. It's not just the, house, the, the cost of the construction. It's the cost of all the, all the regulations we have here in California. I just lost you, Jeff. I'm sorry. Uh, all the regulations that we have. So I, I think uh, Jeff had a great point there. His, uh, his phone apparently didn't have a great point. But anyway, we're, Jeff, call back. Lo- love to uh, finish the conversation with you. 209 551 Three four eight three. Again, this is uh, when we're looking. Uh, one, let me come back to this. One one of the things that they're talking about is maybe this is an option for people coming out of homelessness. Now, with advancing vibrant communities, we've worked with a lot of people coming out of homelessness, and it often takes everything they have to just get into a rental place, a basic rental place. And that's why many of our volunteers will supply items that you and I take for granted, take for granted, like uh, a kitchen table, a bed, uh, a sofa, uh, even utensils, kitchen utensils and uh, appliances. And I'm thinking, are are people coming out of homelessness going to be able to qualify for and and nail down? alone for $350,000. I I agree that this might be a good thing, but I don't know how they would do that without some help. 
And of course, that that brings to mind: Are we talking about more federal or state programs? I mean, think of the one billion surplus, whatever it is we have in California. And uh, would would that be applied maybe to help folks out getting into? Well, they get into the house, but then you still, if, if you're the owner, this is not rental properties. And by the way, I'm wondering how they prevent people from buying them and then renting them out. That would be interesting to know. But I'm thinking if you're buying the place, well, then you have to pay property taxes. You have to pay the utilities. And granted, and in this type of situation, apparently there's not much of a yard uh, to be dealt with there. But I, I'm thinking just in terms of general home ownership responsibilities, how how, how are they going to afford that? I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what I can see happening is the government coming in and, and making a mess of it. I'm wondering possibly if uh, th- those nonprofits that are equipped to do this, maybe some of them can come in and help. Always been a fan of what Habitat from Humanity has uh, has done throughout the years. I think our last caller talked about the fact that he used to work with Habitat for Humanity. And by the way, one of the principles that they use I think is wonderful, and that is sweat equity. Uh, I think that's a... And, and that means that the... Uh, the prospective homeowner has to participate in the process somehow, whether it's uh, taking part in the funding and or hammering nails and taking part in the building. I think there are several good reasons to do that, and uh, even at Advancing Vibrant Communities and some of the things that we do, we want to see people invest in and have ownership of what they're receiving. And that's not uh, that's not always easily done. So again, I, I'm I'm fascinated by this. I'll be fascinated. I'll be following this. Those of you in the Riverbank area, love to hear from you as as time goes on. Uh, there, if they can get this uh, get the zoning issues nailed down, apparently they'd like to start as soon as October, and uh, maybe it would take until early 2023. Uh, it would not be prefab construction. They would actually build these uh, tiny houses on site. So let's follow that. Going to be fascinating uh, here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. In five minutes, we're going to come back to, to James from Manteca, who has uh, a question regarding law enforcement. James, look forward to that. I'll be back in five minutes. Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take Take the the Mike Douglas Douglas Show with with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. So happy you're with us, and I am so thrilled to be back with you this week. I just uh, look forward to our time together, 3 to 5 p.m. here on the Mike Douglas Show. Uh, Just a a quick uh, 
footnote to our discussion about the tiny homes, and we'll keep an idea, uh, keep a, an eye out on that uh, that's happening in, in Riverbank. One of our listeners uh, sent me a message here. Uh, she says her one-bedroom condo, which is 600 to 700 square feet, uh, she paid $50,000. said, I'm not going to pay uh, $350,000 for a, a similar space. Uh, of course, she says, I would have no lot, which would, would save me work. She says, I think of tiny houses in terms of tiny dollars. Yeah. And uh, regarding homeless, don't see how homeless could afford one or even qualify. Well, I think that's a that's a, a salient point. And the the other issue is that whoever moves into that, they're going to have to have a job. They're going to have to have a steady job. It's got got to happen. Again, you you still have property taxes to pay and maintenance and and uh, sewer fees and all all of that. All right, moving along. Our number here two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Let's go to the phones uh, up the road a piece to Manteca. James, welcome. What's on your mind today, James? Yes, Mike. Hi, welcome back. I hope you sign a contract for the next 20 years. But anyway, you know, I'm very pro-police and I watch a lot of these police and New York, especially but in San Francisco. But it just seems the trend is and people don't care whether they fist fight the police or not. And they'll try to knock them out, grab their gun, whatever, get their their nightstick. Um, I'm the kind of person, if I saw that, I'd flip a U-turn in the middle of a road somewhere or pull over and help the policeman. Uh, that said, would I tell, ask, tell the policeman, I'm here to help you? Would I just not do anything? If the guy's uh, trying to get the officer's gun, would I go for that? I don't want to confuse the policeman either. Can you give me some advice? Yeah, uh, great, great point. Great questions, uh, James. Thank you. Uh, I think the o- overarching thing here, first of all, I applaud you and affirm you for helping, for being willing to help. How many times, James, have we seen videos of people walking by uh, people that have been knocked down, but not people who are lying on the ground bloody, and, the, and they just walk by? And, of course, the other day we, we saw a guy that – that ran into somebody with his car and then went back and robbed him uh, to add insult to injury. Uh, And when it comes to helping officers, to to me that, and and of course that that's my background. And so maybe I have a different uh, viewpoint on that, but I, I, that's my natural instinct with anybody who needs help. Uh, My it's, my instinct is to help any way I can. The first way to help is probably to call 911. You learn that, right, in your first aid and CPR classes and such. But uh, other than that, yeah, if there's a cop down and uh, there's a fight going on and that cop has no assistance coming, I'm going to go and and I'm going to pull do what I can to uh, restrain that uh, that suspect and help the officer uh, put that suspect, that subject, under control. Now, the problem is, if there's a gun out there, James, that's a whole different, uh, whole different scenario because then uh, I don't want to put the officer or myself or the uh, subject in, in danger there. But, you know, just if, if the gun is not in play, uh, yeah, I, I, would automatically, uh, I would automatically jump in. 
And I think the thing to do under those circumstances, James, and I'm some of you in law enforcement right now may have a different opinion. Please call. Let me know if you do have an opinion. I would like to hear it. Uh, but I think uh, we, we need to be very careful in those situations to make sure that we are following the lead of the officer. You know, if we get the upper hand, what do you want me to do? All right, back off now. Great, I'll back off. <laughs> uh, in fact, I was talking to um, uh, someone who uh, serves in, in, in jails as, uh, as a chaplain, and he was talking about training volunteer chaplains and, and how there has to be some pretty rigorous training because a lot of people have never stepped in to a, uh, a jail facility, and they're unaware of uh, a chain of command. And if they haven't worked under chain of command, they, they need to uh, understand that we need to develop thick skin. And so if, uh, for example, a jail chaplain is in there and he or she is speaking to a couple of inmates and uh, the custodial deputy says, it's over, you need to leave now. It's not why or how come or I'm not finished yet. It's okay, we're out of here. Because we don't know what's going on. And it is probably for the safety of the people in the room and the safety safety of the custodial deputy and the safety of the chaplain that they immediately respond to that. So I'm just giving you an example of, uh, of James, of, of following uh, what, what the police officer or the law enforcement officer has to say. So, uh, yes, I think it's, uh, it's worthy uh, to, to do that, but we have to exercise care at the same time. And probably the first thing to do is to call 911 and say, we have an officer down involved in a fight, give the location, uh, because the sooner we can get help to that officer by fellow officers, the better, right? Uh, so, James, uh, let me uh, pull you back up here. Any uh, any additional thoughts there from you? Well, I, is there a certain number? Do you just get on the radio and say, hey, officer needs help? Is there a code number, or do you let the dispatcher do all that? I, I would. Sure all the police will come. Well, running. yeah. Uh, <laughs> if it's, I, I would recommend using your own cell phone. Uh, okay. If there's a radio yeah, yeah, yeah. available and the officer is incapacitated, you press the button, you say, officer down, give your location. This is a citizen officer down, okay. giving your location. The best thing to do is use the cell phone. Uh, and now if it's, a, okay. uh, if it's a portable radio, most modern departments now, uh, those are GPS tracked. And uh, there's a, a button on there that can be pushed. And if that's pushed, they know exactly where that officer is. So it's likely the officer may have already put that down. I would say use the cell, use your uh, cell phone first. And uh, and I have been in a situation where I have helped an officer, and there happened to be a, the microphone was right nearby. He was unconscious, and I got on the radio, and I explained I was a citizen, gave my location. We have an officer down. I don't know his condition. And uh, I, I then let go and, and let them ask me questions, and uh, they didn't have any more questions other than stand by, wait till we get help there. Uh, so that that's my best uh, response to you. Thank you very much. All right, James, thanks for your call. Appreciate that. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Always help the cops. And by the way, and, 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 and the firemen and firewomen, all emergency responders, they need our encouragement today. 
Did you did you see this story? When did this break? This is uh, yesterday. New York City. The 16-year-old kid who had already had a record uh, attempts to uh, get through, uh, I guess, uh, the, the little subway thing you have to go through to get on the subway in, in New York, and an officer stops him, and the guy wails on the officer. Apparently, there's a 54-second uh, video of uh, the 16-year-old kid punching the officer more than 20 times. Put him, uh, shoved him into a metal gate, dragged him into the floor, and uh, put him in a chokehold. This kid. And what did they do with him? They released him from custody. They released him from custody. You've got to be kidding me. Well, why wasn't he kept in a juvenile facility? And this is, uh, see that the problem is there are no, there are hardly any consequences anymore for criminal activity. Three days earlier, the same kid was busted for robbery. Again, sprung without bail. And he beat a stranger on Madison Avenue and East 40th Street. That was on June 21. Apparently three uh, friends of his smashed their fists into a man's head just after midnight, stole his cell phone, caused the victim substantial pain and abrasions to his head and hand. And then three days later, after being released, he uh, he goes and wails on a on a police officer. Coming back to James, I, I I think what we have is we have a cultural problem that is due a lot to our elected leaders, not forcing people to toe the line, and not backing up cops. Now, cops make a mistake, you need to fix it. No problem there at all. No problem there at all. And there are things called posse comitatus uh, that actually give citizens the uh, being deputized, so to speak, to help an officer in, in that type of situation. So there are, there, are, there are provisions where a citizen can actually legally be covered uh, for helping out an officer. Let's go back to the phones, 209-551-3483, and uh, we'll go a little bit east from Riverbank uh, that we've been talking about to Oakdale. David, David, welcome. Uh, what are your thoughts today, David? Well, I'm from the, the older school, and we didn't have cell phones. So if I saw that situation, there's there's no doubt I would go in and help the officer, and I would tell the, the assailant, how much is your life worth? Stop. How much is your life worth? Then I'd step back, pull my weapon, and kill him. That's what we used to do. But see, as you said, we have a problem with the cultural problem. It's not the police. The cultural problem is the, law, the laws, the, and the laws are punishing people that, to attempt to protect themselves. So we are being trained not to help them. So there should be no complaints when the younger generations don't step in and they just kind of sit on the sideline and, and take movies of it because that's how the law, i.e. the, the uh, district attorneys, et cetera, are training these younger folks to depend on government and don't do anything because you will be sued and you'll be thrown in jail, even if it's obviously self-defense. So we have a cultural issue, yes, it's called the the uh, our our judges and our uh, DAs. That's the problem. David, 
Amen. Absolutely. You hit the, no pun intended, but you hit the target. I, I fir- firmly agree with uh, you on that. Thanks for the call, David. Great point, in my opinion. David saying, look, as, uh, as government officials are training our culture to not help. Because if you help, you're the bad guy. You're the bad guy. All right, I'm going to be back with you in three minutes as the Mike Douglas Show continues here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll get back to the phones, 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation, back in three minutes. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Wednesday afternoon in California Central Valley. All right, here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, our phone number 209-551-3483. Back to Oakdale we go in Kathleen. Kathleen, uh, what's on your mind today? Uh, what's on my mind is has to do with those uh, juveniles that uh, were violent and then uh, arrested and released, and then another one... Uh, uh, beat up a police officer, and then he was rearrested and then re-released. And um, I just want to say that that kind of behavior um, is the behavior of a, a yearling, a one-year-old in diapers still walking around. We all do that at that age. And if we don't get that out of our system, if we don't correct our ways, then when we're one, we carry that behavior with us for the rest of our lives and the, um, there is still hope for him in special therapy because of what, what didn't happen when he was a yearling. But other than that, um, the, he's going to carry that behavior with him for the rest of his life. And um, what else was I going to say about it? Actually, John John, um, the John Jr., uh, President Kennedy's uh, young son, John, is, is, is captured in a photograph, a famous photograph with Jackie uh, basically uh, roughing up Jackie. And um, so it happens to all of us. Uh, and it takes the dad to stop it because it's too much for the mom. It really is. I've been there, a mom with my one-year-olds, and especially the one-year-old boys, they really are too much for the mom to handle. And and it does take the men stepping in. And I think that was a very wise police officer that, that took those hits from that young man. And, um, uh that we can thank God for that, but I mean you can't count on that. And yeah. uh, I don't know that uh, man, that young man's only hope of straightening out is that he understands that that, that he got lucky. Yeah, with that I, I, I I agree uh, with you, Kathleen. I think he did get uh, lucky in terms of uh, not not um, not having his life ended under those circumstances. Uh, And and Kathleen, you bring up uh, an interesting thought, and I I think this plays into it. Uh, And and that is our early early upbringings are very important because they develop our programming for later. And this is why it is so important for families to have present and strong fathers in the home. I didn't say abusive. I said present, meaning they're there, and strong fathers in the home. How do we develop present and strong fathers? We do it generationally. We do it by modeling. My son is in his 
mid-20s now, I didn't have to lecture my son about this is what you have to do when, when you're a man and later on if you become a father. I didn't lecture him about that. I did my best to model it, to model it. And oftentimes more is caught than taught, although I think we, we teach by our actions. But you see, the problem is in so many homes across this nation, fathers are not present. Many fathers are abusive, which creates another set of pathologies. But I'm, it would be interesting to know this, this kid that beat up on the police officer. Again, I think you're, you're right, Kathleen. He's fortunate that he didn't get shot. I think the issue there, though, is that it was a fight. And I've been in fight, was in fights as a police officer. And shooting the person is not something you do unless there is a threat to your life. And if, if it's a fight, that's, it's a fight. Now, back then, we didn't have the stun gun things. <laughs> you know, we had tear gas. A little quick story on that. Uh, mace, not tear gas, mace. A little quick story on that. Uh, a little bedtime story to send you away with before we depart today. I was, uh, and I won't name the city because I don't want the police officer to ever to be implicated. Uh, but anyway, it was, uh, I was, I had lateral to a new police department. It was my, one of my first, uh, training times. And I had a, a female officer who I knew, uh, by the way, uh, from, uh, other things in the city we were involved in. Anyway, we were out on patrol. We had a domestic violence call. We get a call that uh, a guy is beating up on his wife, and as we're rolling up there, we see him, based upon the description, uh, he is running out of the house, running across the street. And it's obvious that he is going to go around the block. So I said to her, you take the car, I'll bail out, I'll chase him on foot. She says, great, I'll catch you on the other side. So, so she goes around the block with the police car. I go in foot pursuit. The guy who had been beating up on his wife, scales this chain link fence, and he pauses just enough at the top of it for me to scamper up. Now, I was a lot, well lighter in terms of weight back then than I am now. Anyway, so I was able to, to climb up the fence. I pulled him down and he and I are going at it on the ground. We're in a wrestling match. He's not trying to get my weapon or anything, but he's trying to get free. I'm trying to get him under control. And so my female partner <laughs> comes over with the mace and presses the button. I mean, we're, he and I are, are turning, you know, over and over, wrestling on the ground. And she deploys the mace at the precise time that my face comes up. And so he got a little bit of the shot. I got it full face. I don't know if you've ever uh, had any experience with that, but uh, it's uh, it, it does something to you. Anyway, uh, she took him into custody and uh, the, what you do, what we used to do, maybe they have different ways of doing it now, but you, you roll down the window and you stick your head out the passenger window and you let the wind hit you in the face as you're coming back to the police station. 
That's about the only way you can get any relief from that. So, but the point is, it wasn't a life or death struggle, and so it didn't become a, a shoot or no shoot, shoot thing. It just became there. There were two of us, and how do we get this guy under control? That wasn't probably the best way to do it. Uh, but the best way for us to discuss these things is for you to be here Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. with me here on the Mike Douglas Show. I treasure this time with you. I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow right here on Power Talk 30, 1360 KFIV.